Welcome to the Word of Life Center podcast. It's our desire that today's message would equip and empower you to see the Word of God bring life to your life. Part of my routine, my daily routine, is I like to get up pretty early in the morning. And um, I just, I've got a quiet place in my house that I like to go. It's just my place. I, I grab some coffee, grab my Bible, and I go to this place, my quiet place, and I meet with my best friend. He said, your wife's in there? No, I've got another best friend. It's the Holy Spirit. And I just sit down and I just read my Bible. Not to, to get a message. I just read it. But when I sit down and read it, I say, Holy Spirit, I know you're going to talk to me. I know you're going to say something to me. So my ears are open. My eyes are ready. Whenever you want to point something out, let her rip. So this past Monday morning, um, I was doing that. I just got in my room and was, just sat down, kind of settled in, and I turned to Acts chapter 3. I actually have a, a system that I used, and you can really actually read through the entire Bible in about a little over a year, and I like to do that. Read some Old Testament, read some New Testament, and Psalms, Proverbs, and I just like, like to take it, take it that way. Again, not to study, not to get a message. It's just to read the Bible and have the Holy Spirit talk. So I turned to Acts chapter 3. I like to read in the message most of the time. If I'm just reading, I just like to. If I'm studying, I'll go, go to different translations, but... I just like the message because it's, it's just sort of a, an easy read, you know. It says, One day at three o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John were on their way into the temple. Tell them you call them back later. <laughs> They're on their way into their temple for a prayer meeting. We believe it's the will of God that we pray together. It's the reason Jesus said, Not if you meet or if you pray, excuse me, but what? When you pray. So they did get that part while Jesus was on the planet with them, right? Watch this. Listen to this. I love love the way this is written. At the same time, so they're moving, going into the temple to pray. At the same time, there was a man crippled from birth being carried up. Does anybody in this room believe in divine connections? Are you following this? John and Peter are walking up, but at the same time, there's a crippled man that's been brought. I believe in divine connections. I believe in them. I believe our steps are ordered by God. Amen. Amen. Every day, he was set at the temple gate, the one named Beautiful, to beg from those going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter to the temple, he asked for a handout. Peter with John at his side, looked him straight in the eye and said, Look here. And he looked up, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name, but what I do have, I give you. I mean, you know, sometimes it's not bad to be broke. Because sometimes if, we, if, we, if, if Peter would have had money, he would have been tempted just to throw some money and keep walking on in. So when this, this moment happened with Peter, and, and let me tell you something. I'm, I've got a message here. You're going to hear this again. I'm just working it out right now. You, you know what I'm talking about? You're going to hear this again at some point. 
But this is just what jumped out at me on Monday. So I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. I'm, wor- I'm, I'm working it out, all right? Look here. He looked up expecting to get something. But Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I love this next part. Can you see this happening? He grabbed him by the right hand and pulled him up. You know that sometimes you need somebody in your life to help you up. You've been down so long, you just need... That's one of the reasons we have life groups, build relationships, because one day you may need a hand up. In an instant, his feet and ankles became firm. He jumped to his feet. (laughs) And he walked. The man went into the temple with him, walking back and forth, dancing and praising God. (laughs) Sometimes people may get a little bit perturbed, may get a little bit uncomfortable when someone during praise is dancing and moving a little bit, in your opinion, too much. Here's what you may not know about that person. You may not know where God brought them from. Amen? So don't judge. If it gets inappropriate, I promise you, if it gets out of order, we'll take care of it. Everybody there saw him walking around and praising God. They recognized him as the one who sat begging at the temple's gate, beautiful. Rubbed their eyes, astonished, scarcely believing what they were seeing. That was a great day. I mean, that's a win in anybody's book, right? For that man that was crippled. Later we found out that he had been that way for 40 years. But I want to present something to you this evening. It's just, this is what jumped out at me last Monday morning, early. There was something else that happened in that man that you might not catch if you don't slow down and, and read it slowly. I want to draw your attention. I think it's in verse 5. So Peter and John are walking up. Following this? Peter and John walking up. The man has just been placed. And it says that Peter, with John at his side, looked him straight in the eye and said, Look here. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. This is what jumped out at me. And it says that the man, he looked up. He looked what? So if he looked up, where was he looking before? He was looking down. Why do you suppose he was looking down when he said, Sirs, if, sir, if there's anything that you can spare, any change as you go in to worship God, if there's anything that you could spare, I could, I could use it if you would just could spare some extra money. 
We lived in Romania for several years. It wasn't uncommon when we were walking on different streets to see people begging. Some, their, figure, their body limbs were disfigured. They would be sitting on pieces of cardboard. And they would beg. As a matter of fact, when we had teams that would come over, we would, we would brief them on the front end of the trip. We would tell them, look, don't be pulling out wads of money because you're going to see people that are going to be begging. Some of them, it's a scam. So before you give any money to anybody, let one of our team members help you. Okay? But then there were those that it was, as the kids say, they were legit. They were truly begging, and if you didn't give them something, they may not eat that evening. And we helped many of them. But there was something that I noticed about them. When they, were, when they were asking for food, they were asking for money, they were asking just for a loaf of bread, they never looked you in the eye. They always looked down. Do you know why? Because there was shame. There was shame. I believe this day in Acts chapter 3, I believe that God did something more than just heal this man's body. I believe that he healed another disease that affected his soul. I believe that he healed another disease that affected this man's soul. The disease of shame. Now just bear with me, I'm still working this message out. I believe the reason that the man looked up was because he was ashamed because he had to beg because he was a man and respect for a man is everything this disease of this disease of shame it affects our soul and it has a devastating effect on people. It can rob you of your joy. It can rob you of your peace. Have you ever seen somebody that has shame on their life? Have you ever seen them happy? No. Have you ever seen them full of hope? No. Have you ever seen them with great expectations about their future? No. Now, shame will paralyze your soul. Shame will paralyze your life. It'll keep you caught in cycles. Shame after shame after shame. It just seemed like you just can't get out. But I believe on this day in Acts chapter 3, I believe God did something in this man was more than just in his body. I believe God supernaturally reached down into his soul and ripped shame right out of his soul so he wouldn't have to live a day longer under the shame that he was living under. You say, you say, what does shame do to you? Well, one of the things it does is it'll isolate you. When a person has shame deep within their soul, they don't want to be around anybody else. So they'll become isolated. And let me tell you something about isolation. Isolation is a setup. 
Whenever you get isolated, you are a target for the enemy. Whenever you begin to isolate yourself from friends and people around you that can be an encouragement to you, I'm telling you what happens is it's a setup. When you get isolated, here's what happens. You can look, you can look worse than you, you can think you are worse than you really are. Are you following me? So you can get isolated when you're, you've got shame on your life. You feel trapped. And you say, why shame? How does, how does a person get there? Well, sometimes it's by circumstances that they have no control over. You know, this man couldn't help that he was born the way that he was born. So sometimes it just happens and you just get caught in shame and it's no fault of yours. It just happens. But still shame. Sometimes shame comes in when you've done something that you know that you shouldn't do, but yet you did it anyway. Shame. Sometimes it's saying something that you shouldn't have said, but you did it anyway. And there can be what? There can be, there can be shame. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a conscience. But we shouldn't let certain things escalate into shame. Are you following me? But just because shame doesn't, uh, excuse me, just because shame uh, comes doesn't mean that shame has to stay. Just because shame comes doesn't mean shame has to stay. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about shame. And I remember the scripture, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. How many are thankful for Jesus? The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy waiting, uh, because of the joy waiting him, he endured the cross. Watch this. I love this part. Disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Did you get that? So Jesus is on the way to the cross. The bad deal about the cross was not just the physical things that took place on the cross. It was the shame that was attached to it. Do you want to know why people in that time and in that era, even today, that men, they, they, they cover themselves? Because it is shameful to be uncovered where their legs can be seen. Let me ask you a question. How were people hung on the cross? They were stripped to almost nothing. And everybody walked by and they saw it. It was a shameful thing to die on a cross. And Jesus knew that's where he was going. And if it says here that he disregarded its shame, that means he was tempted because shame came knocking on his front door. Are you following this? But I love what it says. He disregarded it. Except this way. He brushed it off. He brushed it aside. He shrugged it off. So shame 
tried to attach itself to Jesus, but Jesus said, "Mm -mm. I'm shrugging it off. I'm shrugging it off. Thanks for listening to the Word of Life Center podcast. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter or at our website, wordoflifecenter.org.